today on Ag News Daily. I think I think the farmer's life is just the best. You know, I don't I don't think anything can beat that. You know, I, I the how fulfilling and spending all that time outside. Ideally, I think that's just the greatest job out. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, I tell you what, I just had a fantastic lunch with Janine Van Vark, who works at National Pork Producers Council. We got to catch up on all things uh, pork related, I suppose you could say, as well as it's just good to finally get back out there and start seeing folks again as we start to head back into some sort of normalcy here. Absolutely, Delaney. And I'm just seeing a lot more vaccine news roll out. Don't have any to report on today, but you know, I think that folks, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday um, with Doug Johnson about getting out and about. And so I'm kind of ready to get out and about myself, but probably not today because it's a little dreary here in Lubbock. So we're supposed to be expecting some rain. So I think it might just be a weekend that I spend indoors. That sounds fun, Ashen. I'm actually going to go visit my folks this weekend, celebrate a little St. Patrick's Day fun ahead of time here. But uh, yeah, it should be a pretty good weekend. I think it's going to be pretty gloomy here too, though, unfortunately. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about weather, but there does appear to be quite a few storms that are going to be rolling through the area here over, especially your neck of the woods, Ashton, for about the next week or so. We I even saw on the forecast, I was checking it out today, that there's a slight chance we could see some snow into early next week. So I'm not super excited about that. Yeah, I wouldn't be too excited either. I can't believe that you're still getting snow and we're down here in like the mid-70s, basically. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I'm telling you, I couldn't last in the Midwest. I'm glad that I'm a Texas girl, that's for sure. Yeah, you definitely should be thankful for that one, I'd say. Well, Delaney, what kind of news stories do you have to share today? Not too much is going on really in my neck of the woods. Well, we actually, I misspoke on the podcast yesterday. It was supposed to be today that President Biden signed that stimulus package into effect, but it actually happened yesterday late afternoon. So we did get confirmation of that. We'll continue to watch that and see how that stimulus package unrolls. Absolutely. We sure will be watching out for that, Delaney. But another story that I wasn't watching out for is concerning Mosaic. Now, nearly eight months after an investigation was launched, launched, Mosaic has won a countervailing duty case against the imports of phosphates from Morocco and Russia with the U.S. U.S. Department of Commerce and the outcome could cause further strain on already higher phosphate prices. Josh Lindenville focuses on fertilizer markets for StoneX Group, and he says not only does this set up the U.S. as a premium market going forward, it also means that Mosaic now controls 88% of the market from a U.S. point of view, which accounts for ownership, duties, or lack of exports by that country. For the next five years, the U.S. Department of Commerce will issue countervailing duty orders on phosphate fertilizers with cash deposit rates that will be approximately 20% for Moroccan producer OCP, 9% for Russian producer Foss Agro, 47% Russian producer Eurochem, and 17% for all other Russian producers. 
Now, Mosaic's original complaint filed in July said that producers of phosphate fertilizer in Morocco and Russia were receiving unfair government subsidies. And the price tag in the complaint showed $729.4 million for Morocco and $299.4 million for Russia in 2019 alone. And phosphate prices are at the highest level since 2012, so it kind of raises some questions on what exactly this means for the impact on phosphate prices moving forward. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I've also been watching uh, fertilizer prices, and they're still at some pretty high levels for folks. So, actually, I'm glad you brought that story up. I have an update here, though, on African swine, the African swine fever story. Uh, Chinese authorities have been forced to ramp up their efforts to control a resurgence of African swine fever earlier this week, which highlights how despite the rosy reports of their hog herd being repopulated, African swine fever is still a major risk factor moving forward. Part of the reason I had lunch with Janine today from National Pork Producers Council is I'm lining up an interview to talk with Dr. Liz Wagstrom to get her take on just how impactful uh, this new strain of African swine fever really is. And China has now banned the import of all pigs, boars, and related pork products from Malaysia earlier this week after the country's first ever African swine fever outbreak was detected there last month. So China has already seen quite a few resurgence of new, new strains, as I've reported here before, and they really um, are starting, I think, to come to grasps, grasps with just how impactful this new strain could be on their hog herd as well, Ash. And I don't have a whole lot of insight into just how impactful this could be. That's one of the questions I'm hoping to get answered next week. But I don't know. I really hope we don't see it uh, quite as bad as it was in 2017. But I don't know enough about this new strain to know if it's as uh, detrimental to the hog herd as the current or old strain of African swine fever. Well, Delaney, I'm looking forward to next week to see if we can get some answers on that. But I just have one other story to talk about today. Like I said, not too much going on, but this next story is hailing from Nebraska. John Kavanaugh, who is a Democrat from Omaha, wants people to have the ability to bring a civil action against companies that don't safely dispose of treated seeds. Kavanaugh says that his bill responds to inaction from the alt and ethanol plant in Mead, Nebraska. He says that the toxic waste created from turning treated seeds into ethanol needs cleaning up at the plant. And he was quoted as saying, that's going to cost money and we don't quite know the scope of the damage to the water, the air, and the land in the area, and we need to make sure it gets paid for. Kavanaugh says that other state senators think the bill doesn't go far enough. And some lawmakers question why the state waited two years to shut down the plant and the state filed suit against the plant back in February. So this story is evolving, might see some legislation go into place. This is going to be, I think, another story that we have to look out for next week and maybe even further down the line. Ashton, that's interesting, actually. I think that one also might be worth a little look into for a potential interview coming up. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier this week trying to set up another ethanol industry interview. So I think this will tie in together nicely. I agree. I agree. Ashton, I tell you what, uh, news wires were a little dry today. So to be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of other news other than talking markets for today. What about you? 
Nope, I'm ready to get into the markets. All right, let's do that, Ashton. As I pull up the markets here today, uh, uh, overnight heading into opening session this morning, I thought we were going to see a bloodbath because both corn and soybeans were down pretty hard on the day. But all things considered, they didn't finish off the day too terribly bad. Little mixed trade as we finish off this Friday afternoon. The May corn contract down just a half a cent today to close at 539. The D's down four and three quarters to close at 478 and three quarters. In soybeans, say the May contract down half a cent to close at 1413. The November down a quarter of a cent to close at 1243 and a half. In Chicago wheat today, the May contract down four and a half cents to close at 638. The D's down four to close at 638 and three quarters. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today. We saw a little bit of green across the cattle complex as the April live cattle contract added 47 and a half cents to close at 119. The June up 75 to close at 120.42 and a half. Feeder cattle mostly higher today, as well as the April contract added a dollar ninety-five to close at one forty-three twenty-two and a half. The May up a dollar ninety-seven and a half to close at one forty-eight thirty-seven and a half. And in lean hogs, mixed trade here as well. April live cattle, excuse me, April lean hogs shedding ten cents to close at ninety-one forty. The May up ten cents to close at ninety-three sixty-five. And rounding out our markets with the Class Three dairy milk futures. The March contract down 43 cents today to close at 17.66. The May down 17 to close at 18.31. Without further ado, Ashton, let's kick it over to our conversation with Matthew Malcolm to continue this AgGrad 30 Under 30 series. Well, we are continuing our AgGrad 30 Under 30 series today, joined by Matthew Malcolm, who is the managing editor at Malcolm Media in Clovis, California. Matthew, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to, to speak with a, a fellow ag reporter and content creator. Absolutely. I'm excited to get your background today and excited to learn a little bit more about your story. Matthew, could you tell us a little bit about... Uh, how you grew up and how you got into media, because I think you've got a really interesting and cool story to share. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but um, but I have always loved agriculture um, since I was first introduced to it. Uh, my, my my you know my father grew up on a farm, but I didn't have the um, I didn't have that I don't say luxury, but I didn't have that opportunity to to grow up on a farm. Um, you know, and even going to a high school, you know, growing up in, in school and stuff, it, I got to high school and they didn't have any kind of ag programs. And that was really, I was really disappointed because I was really interested and wanted to get involved in like 4-H or FFA, uh, but didn't have the opportunity. Uh, but I, I started, uh, when we moved to a, a new house, I mean, we live in the city, but uh, my, my dad was pu- has been publishing you know, American Vineyard and Pacific Nut Producer, Vegetables West, California Dairy and California Fresh Fruit Magazines. He started Malcolm Media when um, when the year and month I was born, so in 1992. And, and so from there, you know, I, I grew up with the company close by, you know, I help out at I'd help out at our, our industry trade show, uh, expo events. Um, you know, I, 
sometimes take pictures and serve food to the farmers. And so I, I got some, you know, at a young age, I got exposed to two farmers and, and what they do and a little bit. And, and then we, we moved and to a bigger lot and I started uh, growing vegetables and, you know, other, uh, you know, tree fruit and stuff with my, with my family on our little, our little homestead is still in the city. And we, we started a, we started this, uh, you know, a small, small business, at, you know, called Front Yard Farms, uh, where we would grow and sell vegetables. Because as, as I, I kind of reported in, you know, in, in my ag grad interview initially, that that I, I come from a family of uh, with twelve kids. So there's, <laughs> so there's a lot of us, and as you can imagine, you know, we, grocery store trips are are. Um, <laughs> Are, are pretty pricey. And so we thought, why, why don't we grow some of our own food here? So things, you know, just out of convenience and, and also for fun. You know, my dad had all these kids and, and wants to keep the kids busy and engaged in good, good things. And so we, he, he took us out and we started growing uh, fruits and vegetables in our front yard, which is kind of an awkward, you know, thing for, for a front yard property like that. You know, most people don't grow vegetables in their front yard in the city. You just have a lawn. And so we, we grew the garden instead at first and then it just stuck. You know, we just started, we, you know, we enjoyed that garden so much and the whole neighborhood, you know, was looking at it and we would sell to, to the neighbors and stuff. And so, so I, you know, I did not take, I know that's not, that's not the main reason why I'm, why I've been uh, selected as ag grad because that's not my, my main business, but it's a side thing we do. And it's just part of, kind of what got me interested in agriculture. I love growing things. You know, if I could, honestly, if I could just spend all day doing that, just growing things and, uh, you know, taking it to market and stuff, I think, I think the farmer's life is just the best. You know, I don't, I don't think anything can beat that. You know, I, I, the, how fulfilling and spending all that time outside, ideally, I think that's just the greatest job out there. And so I love interviewing um, you know, my job, you know, I get to interview farmers and learn how they do things and where they come from. And it's, it's just been, uh, been an amazing, amazing thing to do. And so, like I said, I, I love my job, but I think, you know, I, I, I talk as if, you know, when I'm talking to them, I say, you know, someday I'd like to be, I'd like to be one of them, you know, whether it's full-time or part-time or I don't know. So Matthew, I, I come from a family. I'm one of seven kids. So I understand not quite to your extent, but you know what it's like coming from a big family and trying to find really your, your place in the world. So what was that experience like for you trying to find your niche in the ag industry and the communications industry? What was your experience like? Well, it's funny you talk about, you know, the kids and stuff and it's like all my family members, you know, you look at us and, and some, you put some of my siblings together and we don't even look alike. <laughs> so, um, but everybody has their, their skills and their challenge challenges and, and talents and abilities and things. And so, um, you know, my dad being the publisher, he, he saw one of my talents as, as being a writer, you know, um, I, I, I served a mission for our church uh, for two years in Japan. So I, you know, right after high school, I pretty much took off to, to Tokyo. And, and during that time period out there, we would write, I'd write home and, and the letters I wrote, I guess were, you know, impressive. 
to, to my father and, and what, you know, his, his job as publisher. And he just thought, you know what, I need, I need him writing for me when he gets back. You know, he even wrote to me about that. And I'm like, I'm not worried about that right now. I'm focusing on mission and what I do. But it's the funny thing is, is, is when they came to pick me up at the end of my, my two years there, um, he brought, he brought a camera and tripod and he just got me out there and he had me, uh, you know, we drove around and found a farmer, a Japanese farmer. And I interviewed him and he's just like, go ahead. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I speak Japanese and everything, but I didn't know about broadcasting or, you know, like reporting and stuff like that. So he just kind of threw me in there and we did one. And, and you can actually see that video, that original video on, on our YouTube channel, California Ag Network uh, today. And, um, and that's kind of how he launched me into things. I did some writing assignments before I left to Japan just to kind of help out the family business. But that's just something that I've been, you know, I'm very family oriented and family means a lot to me. And I, I understand it means a lot to farmers as well, because most of our farmers are family, family, you know, family farmers. And, and so, um, you know, initially I, I kind of got into it as a family thing because I, I want to help, uh, help provide, provide. And, but, um, but I, I, I've grown to love farming so much and, and really want to, you know, play a bigger role in it moving forward. I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm, you know, I've seen the challenges that farmers face on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I, I, I want to do all that I can to, to support their ability to move forward, you know, from a, from a reporting standpoint, I know there's only so much we can do, but you know, what? sky's the limit, right? We can Mm -hmm. do a lot more than, than we think. So I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm applying for the California Ag Leadership Program to see if there's, you know, more that I can do from my position in, in the agricultural industry, you know, as a voice in agriculture. That's really neat, Matthew. And I think a lot of farmers can relate to uh, folks getting involved, kids getting involved on the farm because it's all hands on deck sometimes. But I want to ask a little bit more. You mentioned that you as a reporter, as a writer, you think it's really important to help agriculture flourish, help farmers flourish. Tell us about some of the issues or topics that you guys write about there in California, because that's a lot different than what folks here in Iowa are reporting and talking about and thinking about day to day. Yeah. You know, California is really a creature of its own. I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's why, you know, in our company that we we have in our, our, our publications are very, are very commodity specific and uh, most of them are centered on California. Like, you know, for example, California Fresh Fruit Magazine or our digital uh, side of things with California Ag Network. Um, California laws and regulations are, are more, you know, challenging and, and strict than anywhere else in the world. It's, it's um, they, they deal with some real hardships there, you know, from water availability uh, to labor, you know, the minimum wage keeps increasing. And then, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> you know, not to get too political, but it's just like, why <laughs> they just don't understand, you know, what, what those things do, you know, down the pipeline, you know, how that impacts, you know, from, you know, all the way, you know, to food prices in the end, you know, people want to have, you know, good quality food, 
but you know, are they willing to pay the price that it takes to get that, you know, and also, you know, getting any, uh, you know, chemical materials, you know, pesticides and stuff approved, uh, fertilizers, you know, approved in, you know, by DPR in California, it's just really difficult. And so having the, the tools they need to, you know, fight off pests and diseases is, you know, there's just, there's so many challenges, um, you know, the, the farmers are facing it. And the pandemic this past year, you know, we're still in it has, has been an extreme, um, you know, challenge as well on top of, you know, this everyday market things too. You know, I was just in an interview with a, um, a raisin packer today, just came from that. And, and the raisin industry, for example, has had some real challenges, you know, balancing inventory with demand and, and uh, you know, competing on a, on a global basis. So those are some of the challenges that they're facing. Well, Matthew, it's certainly been great to hear your story and your experiences. And we look forward to talking to the rest of the AgGrad 30 Under 30 cohort. But for the meantime, if our audience wants to get in touch with you or if they want to follow along with, you know, what you're doing with Malcolm Media in the future, how can they do so online? Well, I mean, we have, I mentioned our, our YouTube channel, it's California Ag Network. And so if, you know, I mean, farmers have all, all different dynamics and backgrounds. And so our, our audience, you know, it, it are primarily, you know, older, older folks and, and print is, is really a big deal for them. And so we also have our five uh, print publications, um, which I'm, you know, manage the editorial for. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot <laughs> it is a lot to to do on a daily basis, but, um, but yeah, so American Vineyard Magazine, California Fresh Fruit Magazine, Pacific Nut Producer, California Dairy, and Vegetables West Magazines. And, uh, you know, we have presence on social media. We have, like I said, our YouTube channel, which we're actually closing in on, on getting a million views. And that's, that's pretty cool that we're going to be hitting that that point pretty soon. And, um, so that's, yeah. I mean, uh, any, any other, do you want me to get more specific about email or <laughs> you can find all of my contact information. I'm, I'm pretty easy to reach, um, through our websites, it's, you know, Malcolm media, um, you know, California ag network, CaliforniaAgNet.com. We have websites for all of our publications as well. Awesome. Well, Matthew, thank you again so much for coming and talking to us today. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to especially to speak with another fellow ag grad. Thanks again there to Matthew Malcolm of Malcolm Media for coming on and being our fourth really interview talking to these ag grad 30 under 30s and just really excited to uh, continue through this pretty lengthy process. <laughs> Absolutely. It's really cool to talk to all of the other folks doing some really cool things in agriculture. And again, Ashley, these people are under the age of 30, which we both are as well. But sometimes I'm like, man, I don't I don't think I hold up to some of these other folks doing some really cool stuff. But we'll continue this series next Friday. And with that, Ashton, let's let the people go. What do you say? Let's let them go.